0: Welcome to episode number 113 and if you've not listened before where have you been and if you're a new regular thank you so much. It means a lot that you spare the time to tune in. Now I'm almost too confused to talk about this week in hospitality. Wales is about to reopen, Scotland now has five tiers, England is pretty much closed, furlough has been extended until. March next year, the retention bonus has been removed. We've really got no idea if we can open for Christmas. Suppliers have no idea what stock to order. We've got no idea whether we should be putting the Christmas decorations up. Frankly, I'm over planning for the future and I'm just rolling with the punches. Most people I speak with are exasperated. Many are very confused as to whether hospitals are busier than this time last year or not. It's really messy. The general vibe seems to be just try and survive until March and then spring will see a change intact. Obviously, on a personal level, I've got absolutely no bloody idea. So sorry for anyone tuning in for some wise words. What I have got though is an awesome guest who I'm very confident is going to make you smile and be proud to either work in or be interested in the world of hospitality, food, and drink. Rocco Bova is living quite the hospitality adventure. I wanted to catch up with him for a few reasons. Firstly, he's running a health resort in Mexico. Now, for anyone watching The Long Way Up on Apple TV about Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman riding electric motorbikes from the southern tip of South America all the way up to LA... Mexico's getting a hard time, a reputation for drug cartels and kidnapping, and more recently, a catastrophic impact of COVID-19. But Rojo loves Mexico, and he's lived in enough countries to be able to make an objective decision. And secondly, with people maybe questioning why they work in hospitality and wondering what the future might hold, Rocco demonstrates just what an exciting and varied career it can provide. He's worked in all the corners of the globe really getting to know local cultures and people as he lives in rather than travels through so many different countries. It's one of the great opportunities a career in hospitality can provide but I wanted to chat realistically about the pros and the cons. Is a family life still possible? Is managing different cultures a challenge? Does he miss the comforts of a regular home life? Now, I won't spoil the conversation, but safe to say Rocco absolutely loves hospitality and all the adventurous opportunities it has created for him. Finally... Rocco runs a wellness resort and has some strong views on the vortex of negative thinking and what we should all be doing both mentally and physically to maintain a positive outlook and make the most of our limited time on earth. covid or no COVID. We also chat through some practical tips on social media management, how to make guests feel like they are staying with their own mother for their vacations, how excited he is that his kids are following in his footsteps and studying hospitality, and the global human values of respect, love, and trust, and so much more. So whether you're driving your car or walking your dog or cooking or commuting or sitting at your desk, I think Rocco is going to make you happy. And if he does, can you do me a quick favour, please? Go to your podcast player of choice and subscribe, rate and review this show. Now, Rob Blackwell, thank you for letting me know that it's not possible to leave a review in Spotify. Fair enough. Consider yourself off the hook. But for all those listening on Apple you know what to do. And for those of you that can, a donation via regular Patreon support or a one-off donation via the PayPal button on the website humansofhospitality.co.uk is also hugely appreciated and means I can keep on producing this podcast every single week. Okay, right over to Rocco Bova. Rocco Bova, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hugely appreciated. You are the uh, the GM at Chablis Yucatan, all the way over in in Mexico. Uh, can you just explain to people listening? Yeah, where where are you in the world? Are you at the office, Rocco?
1: Hi, Mark. Good morning or good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Uh. Um yes, thank you very much for, uh, for inviting me, Mark. It's, it's, a, it's a great pleasure and honor to be on your podcast. And I'm talking right now from uh, the resort. You know, normally my day starts uh, at around 8 o'clock in the morning. Now it's uh, 10 o'clock in the morning here in Mexico. And uh, I am located in the middle of the Maya jungle in the southeast uh, part of Mexico or the peninsula of Yucatan. And uh, the capital of Yucatan State is Merida, so we are about 35 minutes from the airport of Merida.
0: Wow, amazing! I never, never did I know my podcast adventure would uh, would take me to into the depths of the Mexican jungle. I find it incredible that uh, so what? Yeah, it's m- mid afternoon here, early morning there. Uh, what a privilege! I only wish that I'd come to see you because it looks absolutely incredible, there, Rocco.
1: <laughs> yes, you know, you know, Mark. I get, uh, I get a lot of. Uh, Let's call it a positive envy uh, about uh, you know yeah. my my job and uh, but at the end of the day you see if you are passionate about uh, something or uh, you know your your passion can really take you anywhere you don't really you don't really need to do so much more uh, passion and hard work you know these are for me the two ingredients or the the secret uh, you know to to my recipe you know there is nothing else uh, you know to add if you if you really love what you do and you work hard for it, everything is possible.
0: It's true. So that is a very good segue because there's a few reasons that I wanted to have a chat with you, Rocco. Firstly, um, I think you epitomize. You know, we'll get into a little bit of your career history and some of the countries you've worked. But for me, hospitality is such an exciting sector to work in because it really can take you all over the world to incredible countries, and that's something you've definitely done. Secondly, you're based in Mexico, and I'm fascinated to hear how different countries are dealing with the global challenges of the pandemic. So I want to get into a little bit about how you're navigating that in Mexico. And then finally, you you, you now specialise in wellness. And with all that's going on in the world, I thought having a chat about our sort of mental and physical uh, well being would be would be really good. So, um, you're originally from uh, Italy, I believe. But the resort that you're in, can you just describe this uh, this Chablis resort a little bit? Because it really is sort of uh, almost you know within. It's not even sort of perched on top of. It's really sort of within the jungle, isn't it? Can you just talk to me a little bit about the space?
1: Sure. Well, let me tell you first about my how how did I get here? Because uh, you know that's also a kind of a, an interesting story. You know, when uh, I was in the Caribbean, I was working for another company at the time, uh, and uh, you know, I coincidentally, basically my my contract was uh, was over there, and uh, I began uh, a new search. You know, I wanted to. Remain in the region because you know, from the Caribbean to go back to Middle East or Asia or somewhere else where I already had fam- familiarity, you know, with the people and companies. I said to my to my wife and and my kids, I said, okay, why don't we give it a go and and try to stay here? And so I did. I I did b- began to to search for an opportunity and uh, and guess what? There was a, a hotel that I never heard of, a country that I have never been to and i i didn't speak a single word of, of spanish and i said okay well let's give it a try it doesn't cost anything so i tried i tried my like i sent my cv and uh you know within 2 weeks i was already in mexico in yucatan uh, the 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 owners they flew me here you know to show me the property and to show me how proud they were of, of the property and uh, and the rest i guess is history you know so you know we, we when i landed at, at merida's airport uh, uh, you know the airport itself is actually a very very nice modern uh, uh, um, airport and uh, and I was a uh, skeptic because uh, you know I'd never been to this country before so I had no expectations. However, you know when when a person uh, uh, read or, or investigate or hear about a certain country, it makes uh, a little bit of an idea. and my idea of Mexico was uh, of a developing country to be frank. And guess what? I was completely wrong. I mean, here there's nothing to be developed anymore, I guess, because it's, uh, it's very, very modern in Yucatan. Actually, the whole peninsula of Yucatan is a, a, extremely modern. Generally, infrastructure, airports, schools, or hospitals, you have shopping malls. I mean, you have everything that you need, like, uh, like in Europe, if not even better than, than some part of Europe. And uh, I was very surprised. The second thing that really surprised me was the kindness of the people. You know, how friendly are the people here? You know, people, when they welcome you here, they welcome you with a hug. Besides shaking the, your your hand, they also give you a hug and they give you a pat on the back. It's uh, it's really funny because, of course, in Italy, we also hug, you know, and kiss with, between men or, or women. But here is they give you this warm welcome that really make you feel at home. And uh, even though I didn't speak Spanish, uh, you know, people really made an effort to speak slowly. And uh, even I had some few words that I could speak in Spanish, but then it was so, so easy for me to integrate in the, in the culture. And within a couple of months, I was already fluent in the, in the language, so I could, I, I could communicate with everybody. And um, and and definitely, you know the the resort, uh, you know, it's amazing. You you have to drive about thirty five minutes first. Uh, you drive uh, literally through jungle to then arrive in a little village called Chochola, which is uh, you know an old village that has been here for uh, at least uh, three hundred or four hundred years, as long as as old as the as the hacienda is, because. Uh, the, the hotel Chablis is, uh, used to be an hacienda before. An hacienda is like a farm. In the peninsula of Yucatan, in case, uh, in case you never heard of it, the entire peninsula of Yucatan about 200 years ago was completely farmed with a cactus-like plant from which they, they were extracting a fiber, a natural fiber uh, called sisal. And out of the sisal, the, you know, Yucatan was the only place in the world about two year, 200 years ago where this natural fiber was made. And uh, so imagine 200 years ago, every rope in the world was made in Yucatan. Therefore, you can imagine also the 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 wealth, you know, that this, kind, this part of Mexico actually made, you know, over a period of uh, 100, 150 years. Up to the point of the invention of the, of the nylon, obviously this um, artificial uh, fiber, and then obviously the, the, the entire industry of the sisal collapsed and, and all the haciendas, there were more than 2,000 haciendas in Yucatán, they were abandoned because there was no need anymore to produce this, uh, this natural fiber. And only about uh, 10 years ago, you know, some private investors, they started to, to, to purchase this land and these abandoned haciendas to transform them into private homes or eventually touristic business like, like this one where I am now.
0: Wow. That's, uh, that's amazing. But over this period of time, so how, so how long ago did they stop farming the, the sea cell there, did you say?
1: Oh, well, they, it was basically they stopped farming since the 1940s, 1950s, you know, because there was no more need obviously for this, uh, for this fiber. And, uh, now they, they they are restarting again, but they don't make ropes they only make uh, other, other stuff. they make uh, jewelry bags uh, you know they make accessories for uh, for uh, fashion <laughs> as a matter of okay. fact. In fact you can buy many uh, many articles on uh, you know uh, in shops and, uh, and, and uh, boutiques uh, around Mexico.
0: Mm, amazing. So in this period then, from when the, the Haciendas, when they stopped sort of farming to now, from what I've seen on on, on the website, the sort of the jungle has in essence reclaimed the land, is it? Because it looks like the resort is almost sort of is built into some of the historical buildings and be, built into the jungle. So is, is that fair to say or is it is it different parts? Because certainly where you are, it looks like it looks like nature took over again.
1: Totally. Totally, so much so that basically, you know, the the owners, uh, by choice, they decided to to build low density, spare trees as many trees as possible, and any any trees that was older than 10 or 15 years old was actually kept on site, or moved to another location, and uh, and in fact, you have many of the villas, you actually you go through jungle before you get into your villa. I mean, sometimes you need to walk like. A, 30 meters before you get into your 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 door, and then you enter into your room. And and all the walls are made of uh, of uh, crystal glass, so you can actually see through. When you wake up in the morning, when you take a shower, everything is made of glass. So the entire walls, uh, you know, allows you to be to feel like you are in the middle of the jungle.
0: Wow. And it's huge. 750 acres. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. Is, uh, you know, that's, that's actually the, the size of, uh, of, of one hacienda. The haciendas were divided into, into 350 or approximately 300 acres, so between 350 and 300 uh, acres. So 325 acres uh, or three hundred seventy seventy five acres will actually make twice the size of uh, one hacienda so what happens is that the owner purchased one hacienda so the the actual building and twice the land of that was um was allowed for each hacienda so in the old days uh, you know the governor of that state would only give around 350 acres to each uh, hacienda
0: Okay, and and now that so the the resort is Eltham, sort of grown into this huge sort of space and this huge jungle. What what is it? It's mainly individual villas. How many how many villas do you have we, within the complex?
1: We have thirty six uh, one bedroom villa, and then we have a two two bedroom villa, which which are made for families, and then we have two more three bedroom villas. These are made for bigger families or maybe a group of friends that they want to stay together, uh, for a total of forty units.
0: Okay, wow. So you got a lot of space for each one, then? Presumably, a lot of the grounds is is what undeveloped, or is it well, is it we used? Because we, well. f-
1: we have about fifty acres, so one acre for each uh, villa, uh, or a, a little bit more than one acre per villa, developed, and then the rest of the seven hundred is just pure jungle, wild jungle. In fact, you can see a lot of wildlife, including you know not only birds and uh, and uh, and we have deers, we have uh, snakes. Uh, Crocodiles, <laughs> wow. the years, uh, I mean, we are quite uh, is is an open zoo. <laughs>
0: Yeah, amazing. And then well, who's the target market then? Is this people who maybe are traveling around Mexico anyway, and they come in for a few days? Or do people tend to come f- to you specifically for a sort of longer holiday?
1: Well, no, actually, we, we have uh, we have identified uh, a, a segment in Mexico. So Mexican market is our number one, has been always the, the strongest since the opening of the resort. And then, obviously, on the second and third year, we actually started to to experience a more international crowd, namely U.S. and Europe, um, with a 50-50 balance, so 50% Mexican and 50% international. And then, obviously, over the past 10 months, we've been pretty much 100% Mexican again, you know, because uh, you know, a lot of um, a lot of countries they're not comfortable to travel, or they are, they have this uh, concern of traveling. And uh, but then you know, because we had a great re- reputation in the in the country, we we are thriving actually on the country. We're doing better than last year. Already September, uh, we closed uh, uh, nearly 40% better than last year, and October we did more than double compared to last year. So we are we are quite uh, quite happy with the with the results.
0: Wow, that's amazing! Because so this is we'll dive off a little bit if you don't mind into the sort of bigger Mexico picture. Because a lot of the uh, certainly the press coverage uh, in the UK and I guess most of Europe is is that uh, you know Mexico's had a big impact, third or fourth you know most most impact from COVID, seven hundred and thirty thousand cases, seventy six thousand deaths. It looked it looked like the sort of the country was closed to outsiders, but the experience. Inside it is—is is it that that it's very much regionalized and round where you are not particularly impacted, or is it just that the domestic tourism market is so strong and, and people have wanted to get a break? How how is it, uh, I suppose, to be there and, and witness this pandemic in Mexico?
1: Well, actually, actually, the cases, the numbers you have are probably a little bit uh, slightly older. We actually more than eighty thousand cases already. Um, uh, and, and, yeah, it was sorry, yesterday. Eighty-six thousand deaths and more than eight hundred thousand cases. But, um, but you know, the, it, it, everything is relative. At the end of the day, we all know that these are all relative numbers, and and we need to take everything with a pinch of salt. Now, uh, the the reality is that uh, the the hotel never closed. Uh, We've always been open. Uh, We only closed to the public for two months, but we've been uh, operating all the time, meaning that we had to do maintenance, security, gardening, and so on and so forth. So this has never stopped. And then uh, 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 secondarily is that when the government gave us the green light to open with a lower occupancy, which was on the 8th of June, we, we, we reopened, we, you know, the owners were very keen to open as soon as possible because we didn't want to stay closed. And uh, and and within one month of, of re- reopening, our occupants already started to see improvement. And then, as I said, you know, between June and September, we've already been able to do, you know, better than last year. So I think that, uh, you know, the the strategy that we have applied since uh, Since we closed uh, in uh, April, April first, and up until now is actually paying back now because a lot of company what they did when they closed down, they stopped doing anything. They were not present on social media. They were not present with in terms of sales and marketing. They were not present with the industry, with the press. While our 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 strategy at least was to be. Even more than before, present. Imagine that when I was working during the closure, I was at the hotel. I was coming every day to work, and I was I was um, recording a video, uh, a, like a two or three minutes video, and I was posting this on my social media network, both Facebook, uh, particularly on Facebook, because that's where I have a lot of uh, travel agents as uh, as my friends, and uh, I was telling them a new story every single day, of a place. Within the resort that they didn't know, so I actually did uh, a, a, like a sales speech every single day, so that they could uh, they could not forget about us. They could actually continue to remember us. And guess guess what? I mean, they were so grateful because every day they would discover a new place, <laughs> even without uh, without being here. And they were able to travel vir- virtually in our property. Amazing.
0: Okay. Well, <laughs> clearly it worked. What's the what's the national picture? Is everybody? in masks you have a lot of restrictions on how many people so in the uk at the moment well, like i say in the uk it just depends on where you are in the country certain parts of the country hospitality is closed other parts you can only stay open until six in the evening some places you can only go out with people in your own house some people you you can go up with six people what's the what's the situation in mexico is is, is hospitality being a sort of focal point for controls or is it allowed to sort of carry on a, a, as it wishes
1: no 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 obviously no we have a certain um, limitation i mean for example uh conferences uh, only start as from Monday next week for example in conferences for a maximum of uh, 150 people we still have a curfew for example in Yucatan in the state of Yucatan is the only state in all of Mexico that actually still has a curfew the curfew starts at 11:30 in the evening and stops at 5:30 in the morning next day um, uh, you know shopping malls are open you know now cinema Theater will be starting next Monday also. I mean, the the, the economy has been reopening in phases. And I have to say that the way it's been managed here is being managed very well, probably the best. That's why we've been able to be be consistently doing better. Uh, Airlines are starting to fly more often. Um, Obviously, distancing, uh, wearing masks, washing hands, using gel, this hasn't changed since... uh, since, uh, since March last year and uh, but I have to, I, I, I have a feeling that uh, the number the numbers are, are much better managed here in, in Yucatan than the rest of Mexico. I've, in, in Cancun for example, they've been opening too quickly too much and uh, I can see now they're starting to pay the, their consequences with more cases. but you know I think that the number of deaths are going down. Or, or being stable. And the deaths, again, are always relative because they always affect people with some kind of uh, um, illness that they already had anyway, you know, either the age or maybe they have, uh, you know, kidneys problem or maybe they already had prior to the, to contracting COVID they had maybe respiratory problem. So, you know, we need to be very careful on how to read uh, numbers and, and, and really search further the press unfortunately is giving a lot of uh, um, partial information no they never tell you how these people died they tell you that they di- they were dead but they never tell you how and why they they died so this is a, it's a sad to say but uh, you know unfortunately there is only partial information giving giving out and you know that mm. brings a lot of confusion uh, on the other hand here we have already the government has announced that by december they will uh, they will get uh, the 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 population um, vaccinated. So they already purchased more than fifty million units of vaccine, and in December they will start. So you know that's also another sign of confidence. You know that the countries is investing money to ensure that their population will be will be vaccinated.
0: Mm, that's interesting because yeah, we still haven't been told that there is a uh, effective vaccine. Although I've heard that that people in China are already being vaccined as well so uh, what's the situation uh, just we'll, we'll move on from covid in a minute because it's uh, it's been dominating our lives too much but but last question uh financial support you know have the government in in a similar way to in europe lots of the hospitality workforce or, or you know many workforces have been furloughed there's been grants for hospitality have they been similarly helping business
1: not not really i mean uh, europe is obviously another or, or the us is another another country and uh, obviously mexico cannot cannot afford uh, to, to provide help to 150 million people you know that's is a big country one and they also they never had really a really a social structure you know to be able to to manage this kind of support however on the other hand the the, the there were some states in Mexico including the state of Yucatan where the government was handing over you know like uh, um food, you know basic food, you know milk, sugar, flour, you know the, the even toilet paper, you know like <laughs> the basic uh, that one person would need uh, you know to 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 survive to make a living and uh, and companies you know by government to companies they've been given like delays in paying taxes, for example or, or, or even between private and private to, you know they they were given uh, time not to pay rent. Uh, I mean, I think in all is been uh, is been fairly done here. You know, considering where we are, it's been very fairly done. I mean, I come from the south of Italy. I don't think, uh, I don't think. Uh, anyway, I don't want to talk about that. But <laughs> I don't think, I don't think, I don't think Mexico has done badly. You know, I, 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 from a personal point of view, from a foreigner po- point of view, uh, I think Mexico has been handling their situation pretty well. compared – compared to where we are and compared with the resources that they have. And uh, and I'm still here, you know, uh, actually n- not a single person in our hotel has lost their job. That also tells you also the commitment of certain private owners, you know, that they even though they, they knew they were going to lose money, they were ready to keep everybody on the payroll. With some sacrifices, of course. In, rather than cutting, you know, like they did in many parts of Europe or, 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 or the states, you know, where they, they slashed 50, 60, 70 percent of the stuff. Here, you know, they said, you know, where, where else I'm gonna find a good person already trained after this? You know, when the business will come back, and the business has come back. Imagine I had to, I had to actually even call for people for extra help from outside because I. I didn't have enough stuff <laughs> in some wow. in some occasions. So you know, we reached occupancy in some days of uh, above seventy percent in one day of only. But just to tell you, you know, we we are busier than than ever before. So it's good news. Mm,
0: interesting. Well, congratulations, and and it's just interesting to to hear, uh, yeah, how other countries are coping, I guess. But so, uh, let's go away from COVID and back into the world of hospitality. So, like I say, one of the things that uh, that I just suppose I, I, I found exciting. Uh, looking back at your career, is you've worked in some incredible places over the old, last sort of twenty odd years. You've been in the Middle East, you've been in the Caribbean, Dominican Republic, Mauritius, Amman, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore. <laughs> um, but you, your sort of your education started, funny enough, in in London. How did you get into into hospitality, and what was it that attracted you to it? Was it that sort of thought of, of global? Uh, travel because although it's although it is available, not many people actually get around as many countries as you have. So can yeah, you can you just explain how did you end up in London and how, and how did you end up traveling the globe on this hospitality adventure?
1: Yeah, well, let me tell you first. You know, an advice for young uh, young hoteliers or young students in, in hotel schools: if you have made a decision to join the hospitality, keep your dream alive. You know, this is only a a, a vacation time for the tourism industry. Uh, it's only a break that the industry is taking. Maybe it's the world that needs a break, you know, from two people traveling. <laughs> you know, we I think we travel too much. Maybe everybody needs a break, and uh, and uh, and the tourism. Uh, I hope that we all learn something from uh, from this pandemic, uh, and we will become uh, travelers, not tourists. You know people need to travel with a purpose with they don't need to travel just you know to tick the box and, and say i've been in 150 countries because i have not been so, to so many countries after all and and i'm not a, and i'm not a, a tourist i'm i am a traveler i prefer to say i've lived in 11 countries only but i know those countries very well you know i can say that i know each each of those countries much better than than a tourist that has been in 150 countries and just went there to to take a picture so let's let's make a a distinction how did i get uh, to the hospitality industry is uh you know when i was 20 something you know i had no clue on what to do in my life but what i i really did know was that i wanted to travel the world that's what the one thing i knew and uh by coincidence, I, in my hometown in Italy, in the south of Italy, I met a, a Brazilian guy. His name is uh, Aelito Neri, and I think he is my angel. And, uh, and Aelito, after, after working my shift in a, in a, in a pizzeria, you know, uh, at around 10 o'clock at night and over a beer, he asked me, Rocco, what do you want to do in your life? And I said to Aelito, I said, I don't know Aelito, I'm not sure yet, but, you know, the one thing I am sure that I want to travel the, the world. And he said to me, "Why don't you come to London? I can help you. I li- I've been living there for ten years." And I looked at his eyes and I said to him, I little if you're not kidding, I'm coming." <laughs> and he said to me, "Of course I'm not. Please, you know, please, I can help you there. No problem." So uh, two weeks later, I bought myself a one-way ticket. I had 400 pounds in my pocket. I didn't speak a word of English, and uh, off I go. <laughs> off I went to to London, you know, on a on an airplane with a with another friend. We were two of us. We 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 went there. You know, within a week we found a job in an Italian restaurant because it was easier for us to work in a in an environment where it was easy to 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 communicate. I I went to an English college, you know, uh, or a college for English language, where eventually I met my girlfriend, which is my wife to, today. And uh, you know, I lived in London and worked in some of the best establishments there for about four years. And after I graduated at the Westminster College in 1999, um, I, I got my first job as a restaurant manager at, at the Jumeirah Beach Hotel in Dubai. And, uh, and then from there, you know, my career really started from, you know, from Dubai into Singapore, as you said, Kuala Lumpur, India, etc., etc. And, you know, I'm, I'm still extremely proud, passionate and happy with what I've done until now.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's a real adventure. Funny enough, one of my questions was going to be that that it looks like a a really sort of adventurous, uh, exciting life. And I'm sure there's pros and cons, but I imagined that one of the cons was, was going to be that it was hard to have uh, a family if you were moving that much, but that's pretty cool that you, you actually met your wife in London and, or you met your, 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 your then girlfriend. Did, did she travel with you to all of these places or did you two reunite later?
1: No, no, of course. We always travel as a family and uh you know this was what also one of my condition when i met when i met with her and we started to to hang out and going out and you know and then eventually we started to talk about you know our life and she asked me you know at one point she asked me to get married you know and i thought, okay we will get married on one condition my condition is that i will i will continue to travel and to explore new new places new countries because i want to travel the world i want to discover what's out there and she said to me okay and then for me was a deal you know and uh, <laughs> 20, 25 years later you know we're still together we have two beautiful kids and uh, my son uh, actually also to my pride uh, also has chosen to study hospitality so he will be starting uh, university in uh, in uh, september next year my daughter, she still has another two years to go, but I hope also she will join the, the tourism uh, uh, industry because it's a, it's a wonderful industry. It's, a, it's an industry that I will, I will never, ever change for any other in the world.
0: Oh, it's a beautiful little treat talking to you, Rocco. After the sort of, you know, I, too much am I bombarded by the negativity of all of the problems in hospitality at the moment. But to speak to you with that energy and passion and love for uh, yeah for the planet and for our sector, uh, it's good timing. And I think you, you'll be making lots of people smile out there and falling back you. in love with yeah it's felt a little bit like the industry sort of being battered by the uh yeah international governments at the moment certainly the british government and uh yeah so it's just nice to know that uh yeah long term it is a beautiful beautiful sector so well done that's awesome to be able to have a a family and live that lifestyle is brilliant when you look back at the countries you've uh you've worked in and you've lived in any any particular favorites
1: yes actually a lot of guests ask me the same question you know when they when I tell them my story and uh, and they 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 hear about my different uh, Experiences. They always ask me, you know, which one do you like most? And uh, and yes, indeed, my my three three best experiences in in uh, as a whole, you know, you know, because you have to combine family life, private life, and work. And uh, and the three top countries in not 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 in order of preference, so just the 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 places where I enjoyed most uh, uh, was Malaysia oman in the middle east uh, and um, now mexico you know i think we've been uh, we've been blessed uh, to work in countries where the, the 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 culture and the roots are very very deep down meaning so if you go to malaysia for example you have a, you have a blend of three cultures you have the malay you have the indian and you have the chinese so uh, that they they live together in the same place and they and they all have a role in the society and they all, you know, there's no racism on there's no uh, evident racism between who is the best. You know, there is no competition. You know, everyone is very clear what is, what is their role. And I really enjoyed working there. You know, the culture is great. Uh, the people are very nice and friendly. They love life. They enjoy life. Uh, um, food is fantastic because you can have Chinese, you can have Indian, you can have Malay at the same time. And, uh, and the country is huge. There is so much there to go and see and, and explore. Oman, among all the Arab countries, is probably one of the most uh, traditional, yet modern at the same time. So they are relaxed towards Western people. You know, they don't oblige you, for example, as a woman to cover up. I mean, you can go to any public beach and, and see even the locals walking on the beach with their family. I mean, it's so, it's so open as a... Society and uh, and the the former sultan who who died who passed away uh, just uh, just a few months ago actually sultan kabus you know he, he, he did a, an amazing job to preserve the country and not to overbuild and overdo and, and do too much you know he, he kept the country as as uh, as original as possible and and preserve the culture and and um, Help the culture actually grow and continue, rather than uh, modernize too quickly and losing the essence of their story, history. And in uh, Mexico, you know, for some reasons, is uh, just very close to my my own country. You know, the the, the culture is very similar. Um, you know, the, the, actually, I felt I felt very very little when I discover how little I know about the culture and the history of uh, of Mexico you know you know here. The, i mean for example talking about the maya the maya culture it goes 2000 years ago or even more i mean there are, there are, because there is no history left you know everything was destroyed suddenly by the by the the colonization of the spanish they destroyed they burned down everything you know they, they so they, they, they there is not much history left but whatever is left uh, goes down, goes back, uh, you know, a couple of thousand of of years, and still there is a lot to be discovered and studied. So there is a very ancient uh, culture in uh, in Mexico, and uh, and also the modern Mexico is cool. You know, it's, people are very nice, very friendly. Again, you know, they're very open minded. I don't know. I feel home here, you know, and my family also in the three countries they have been able to find their friends to, to my kids. They grow up, you know, with certain people. You know, it was uh, just the best combination of uh, family, private life, work life.
0: Yeah, amazing. It's good. It's And they're very, very different. You know, I think... Uh... Yeah, particularly a man in Mexico, I suppose. I would imagine them to be very sort of yeah d- different cultures, but uh, but nice that there's something to appreciate in all of them. Uh, downsides though. What, what what are the downsides of uh, of so much travel in your life? What's what's the compromises you feel you've made?
1: Well, if you work too much, you actually don't visit a lot of the country that you live in. <laughs> that's the yeah. downside. That's that's the only thing I regret. You know, I reg- I mean re- regret rel- relatively always. Because, you know, I dedicate so much time to my work because I want to make sure that I do it well and I do it, uh, you know, to I I fulfill also the need of the of the company that employs me. Uh, That dedication obviously implies that uh, the little time that you have, you have to give it to your family. And then, and therefore, you know, the time for traveling and discovering the country itself remains little because when I have holiday, I go back to Italy, of course, because I also want to see my family back in Italy. I've got my mom and my siblings and my friends, you know, so it's always nice to go back to. Um, that's the only downside, honestly. Everything else, is, uh, everything else is possible because a lot of people, they say, well, how can you raise a family by traveling so much and moving from one country to another? You have to change school. You have to change it. I mean, it's it's possible. It's just a matter of uh, willingness, you know, and 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 be be able to to say yes. It's possible to be done. I mean, there's nothing that cannot be done if you have if you have, if your mind is uh, is geared to do it, then you can do it.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's very cool. I think we always put obstacles in our paths, but. Uh... But it's not really true really. I traveled a lot uh, 20, 20 years ago and uh, you know I'd meet families. I remember being in the jungle in Sumatra and uh, yeah you'd meet people on these global adventures and you think, oh so few people in, in the UK would actually um, have the guts, I suppose to just just you know give up normal life and go off and do it. but actually once you do do it it's possible and it's quite normal and it's nice to see how did your kids because your your kids must have presumably was there a constant language that they had their education in or not only did they change countries and then have to change schools did they also have to change the language they were being taught in them
1: yeah normally we've been we've been lucky to find the uh, international schools in every country that we've been living To you know at the beginning until the age of 10 years actually they study in a french school you know because my wife she's french so the the mother tongue is french and um and uh, after that, uh, from the age of eight, e- 11, they went to international school. So the first uh, 10 years, you know, they, they studied in uh, French and uh, English. And the second part of their life, they started to learn, you know, to learn English and Spanish. You know, so it's been now since uh, five years, you know, the past five years, they've been, uh, they've been studying in, uh, in Spanish and English.
0: Amazing. You you speak fluent French as well, Rocco? Or?
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, I I, I I forgot it a little bit because you know when I was in Mauritius, for example, you know the 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 majority of our guests were French, and you know conversation with staff also was in French. Um, I don't I don't speak French with my wife. With my wife, I speak Italian, and so I I speak with my. With my kids in uh, in Italian, but then my wife she answered me back in French, and my kids to me <laughs> in English. So it's a bit of a mess, but somehow we understand each other. You know, in
0: <laughs> I love that. That's very cool. Yeah, it's nice. One one planet. Who needs to go and live on Mars? There's enough good stuff going on oh. in this country. Um, I'm interested to know. So, so you know, part of uh, part of management and and probably particularly in in hospitality is about coaching and, and mentoring. Often sort of young teams it's, it's an interesting uh, industry Did, is, is there a lot of subtleties thinking of all of those different cultures of people that you've managed have, is everybody fundamentally is it the same things that make them tick or actually are, are people are your teams sort of very different in the different countries
1: on how you need to manage and motivate them I love this question I love this question and not many people ask me this question you know it's very rare but I love this question and I challenge anybody anyone to tell me you know uh, the opposite The value, the human values, do not change, in in in, no matter in which country you are. Human values, you know, respect, love, um, um, trust, uh, you know, these are things, these are values that are universal. If you are able to apply the the human values first before you try to influence somebody else or you try to change something. Then, So if you are able to apply those values, then you are able to influence. But if one person is starting by thinking about the culture and not the values of the culture, then it's going to have a huge clash because you're going, you know, Western culture versus a Middle Eastern culture. You know, maybe there are some common base, uh, but the culture are different. But if you look at the values of each culture, Ninety-five percent of the values are exactly the same. Maybe the religion may be different, and that is an, an, another value, spirituality. But if spirituality as such, if you take it uh, into context, spirituality is the same. You know, you you believe on something above and beyond you, whether it's God, whether it's. Uh, uh, whether it's uh, you know Mohammed, I mean Buddha, call it whatever you want, but it's it still is based on spirituality. That's again universal. For example, in our in our hotel, we we have a spiritual leader, you know, and the spiritual leader sees people from any re- religion. And s- sometimes at the beginning, you know, people they feel like uh, mm, wait a minute, you know, to, what is a shaman, you know, and then they start to freak out, you know, but. At the end of the day, is a spiritual leader, and, and spirituality as such, if you take it into context, spirituality is, a, is about values. It is about talking about the human values, and human values have not changed for hundreds of if not thousands of years. Are still the same. So, as an expatriate, what I learned first is uh, to accept and respect uh, the human values first, and then. Uh, be accepted as a different person with another culture, and uh, so far it's working so well. You know, I cannot I cannot really compare complain. But in in uh, in in essence, there is no difference. So if whether you work in India, in uh, China, or, or you work in Singapore, or you work in the Middle East, or you work in Mexico, or the Caribbean, human values are exactly the same.
0: I I agree, uh, 100%. You know, my my favorite thing. Uh, and probably the, one of the motivations for getting into hospitality was just you know the more I travelled around the world and actually often the poorer places that I went to you know where there was extreme poverty and you know I, you know, I remember walking into to villages in northern Vietnam and there'd be no running water and, and no uh, electricity but the kids would come running out of the huts and 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 you know the, just the communication of eye contact and a smile and a friendly demeanour you know and, and and we were all motivated by the same things we we wanted to spend some time with our family and friends we wanted to know that we could have somewhere to eat and we wanted to know that we had somewhere safe to sort of you know to sleep that evening and stay overnight and that and that was the core motivation for everybody totally. i met and, and money was irrelevant and uh yeah it's it's a nice thing i think once you you know we, we get hit by this sort of uh global propaganda i suppose of of the differences between race and religion and countries and all this kind of stuff but the vast majority of people on planet earth are actually wonderful delicious human beings and like you say values is the word isn't it they're uh yeah, we have a we have a shared common sort of uh, yeah value. Totally, I agree with you, Rocco. You've made me you've made me smile. So, um, what is it then? You, you know, you've invested a lot of time and energy in, into your education in this sector as well as well as different jobs and this sort of constant growth. What is it for you about about hospitality? Because you know, the, the compromises are you've, you've, you've traveled a lot and we've spoken about that, but also you mentioned about the fact that you don't get to travel around the countries enough. You know, it's, it's commonly known that we work a lot of hours and we work weekends. It's a sort of always on sort of industry. What is it about working in, in hospitality that clearly, even though you've been doing it all this time, it clearly still makes you very happy, still makes you excited. You're excited that your kids might go into the industry. What is it that you love about this, this hospitality as a business and as an industry?
1: is 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 the people around it you know is um is uh, you know hospitality is about uh, making one feel like home you know and uh, if i if i'm able to make somebody feel like in in, in, in in his own home then i i i i i tick the box i've done my job you know for example here you know as a part of the mexican culture which is also my own culture you know by coincidence we welcome guests with a handshake and we we bid farewell with a hug you know because we receive them as a guest but we leave them as a as a friend or family even you know some some guests already have been with us once or more times a year you know imagine that the same guests return more than one time every year in the same place even if they are mexican i mean it's, it may sound strange Eh, 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 but but this is uh, what we, you know, what is the real, true, genuine, basic hospitality, to make one person feel home. And I would like to cite uh, uh, two, two, uh, two people, or, or more than two people, let's say. First is my family and how I was raised. In my home, in my, in my home for example, back in Italy, my parents would always open the door to anybody. They will never be afraid of opening a door to a stranger. They will always open the door. They will welcome them inside and they will tell them, what can I offer you? Before even this person opened the mouth. And maybe they were like a door-to-door salesman. And maybe they were people that they were trying to steal you in your house. And maybe they were whatever, you know, crazy people. But they never closed the door in, in the face of a person. You know, even my mom now today, is 86. God bless her. And, uh, and she's still doing so. And she said, you know, I don't have anything. If you want, I have a glass of water or a glass of milk and a piece of bread. And, and you know, that to me is the, the basic uh, genuine hospitality. You know, you are welcome no matter who you are and what your purpose is. And the second person that I, will, I would like to mention is Horst uh, uh, Schulze, who is the founder of Ritz-Carlton Company. Where in a, in an interview some ten years ago or so he was talking about uh, he was talking about a concept that in hospitality recently has become uh, let's say popular okay and uh, and this concept of making people feel home was very important so people would go to a hotel to feel home so he was saying why would I go somewhere else and pay money Pay a lot of money sometimes to feel home. Why don't I stay in my own home? But he he, he employed a, a company actually. They, he paid this company to study this word, this sentence, and they actually came out with uh, with a very intelligent uh, uh, discovery. And the the discovery was that the, the people that they go on vacation to feel home, they don't want to just feel home. They want to feel in their mother's home. So they want to feel pampered like a mother will, ma- will pamper the son or the daughter when they come back home from a, from a, a, long, a, a long trip and say, oh, you're coming back and I'm going to cook the food that, that you like. I'm going to take care, I'm going to do your room the way you, you like it. So this uh, feeling of motherhood or, of, or parenthood when you come back to a place is uh, how we, we take care of you, how, how much love we're going to give you during your stay. And 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 frankly, you know, it, it really opened my mind. You know, when I listened to this video, it was really amazing. Say, wow! I never thought of that. <laughs> you know, this it, is so true. And, uh, is, and yeah. you know, uh, applying these uh, basic uh, simple rules, you know, in your daily work, uh, it really helps. You know, it really makes your your job so much easier.
0: How do you do that though? How do you how do you make somebody feel like they are at home? With their mother, (laughs) what's the uh, yeah? What 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 do you teach your team to do to make that feel real?
1: I give you an example. I give you an example. So we welcome our guests at the airport. So in most cases, I mean, now I don't do it anymore because of the contingency and obviously the current uh, situation. But before, I personally used to go at the airport to welcome my guests. So, like a mother. Or a parent when they wait for their kids, <laughs> you know, we are there waiting for them. We don't wait wait for them at the at the hotel. We don't allow a a, a stranger to welcome them with a with a with a, 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 a small uh, piece of paper, you know, with the name on it. No, no, we go there ourselves. So if I cannot make it. One of my assistants, so a senior manager of the team, will be at the airport and will meet and greet uh, the, our guests at the airport. Not many hotels can do that for many reasons, but I think uh, in a hotel like like ours, we should be able to do for each single guest. And this is to me is a, is a small touch, is a small difference that will make or break the relationship, the beginning of a relationship with that customer, and. Uh, you know, one of the things I say to, to to my team, we don't have to have always and win repeat business. What we need to have is a, a one-time business that becomes an ambassador that can can become our brand when he goes somewhere else and, and only talk well about if you go to Yucatan, you must go to Chable Yucatan.
0: That's nice. It's a nice touch. How about when they get there, when they walk into their into their villa because that was a great example so when they arrive at the resort and they walk into their into their villa is there anything special that you have uh in the rooms or anything you do that just makes them uh, feel particularly i don't know special or relaxed or loved
1: sure for example when when uh, when we when they come at the reception you know before they they come to the building itself uh, we do a maya a a short maya ceremony which is like a, a cleansing ceremony which is made with a With um, uh, with an ornament made of uh, of uh, clay, we burn some sage and uh, like wild herbs that you find in in our in our in our hotel. And and this was a ritual which was done by the Maya people to to remove the bad spirit, you know, to get away any bad vibes before you actually enter a new environment. So we we do this uh, cleansing ceremony. And, and only then we allow them to do the check-in. The check-in is not even done in a normal check-in counter. You know, it's, a, it's actually, it's actually the, the, the replica of, a, of, a, 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 of a, a, call it a shop, you know, where, where the workers of the hacienda used to go and buy their grocery or they, they used to buy their daily needs. So it doesn't look like a check-in counter as such. And then from there we 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 walk them. They, they, we, we walk them to our, through our gardens for about 200 meters before they come to to the main house. And the main house used to be used to be the house of the owner. So you know, while doing this uh, um, process, I call it a process in uh, in hoteliers language, but it's actually an experience because by the time they reach their villa. They already heard that the, the, the Hacienda was, uh, you know, 250 years old. You know, what, what kind of farming they were doing over there. Who was the owner? You know, the, 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 the chapel of San Antonio and, and whatever we do with San Antonio every, every June. You know, the, all the activities that can be done at the resort while they're going to be there. So we actually tell them already everything that they can experience while they are there. And another personal touch that I do or another member of the manage- management does is also to invite our guests for a drink. You know, in some hotels, for example, you know, let's say once or twice a week, they organize a guest cocktail. So where all the guests are invited. But here we do it more personalized. We do more one-to-one basis so, or either we invite them for a, an afternoon tea or we invite them for, a you know, sunset cocktail but it's more one-to-one is that's where we can build a, a long-term relationship that's where we can build also loyalty and again not so much loyalty to return but loyalty to the brand and to become then brand ambassadors
0: you're my new hospitality hero, Rocco. I love you. <laughs> Thank you,
1: man. It's all so natural. It's all yeah. so passionate here. You know, it's-
0: it is. It is. It's a reflex. I think it's like if you throw something at somebody and they duck, that's a reflex. And I, and I think good hospitality is a reflex. Somebody walks into your space, yeah. and your automatic reaction is is you want to look after them, and you want to say, look, you know, can I get you anything? Would you like a drink? You know, you are you tired. Whatever it is, it's 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 a, it's a reflex, and. Uh, yeah, I think you Italians you you do it uh, you do it particularly well and I love that idea that you welcome them with a handshake and they leave with a hug. I think that's a great sort of uh yeah, great great way of explaining when hospitality works well. Um, we we're, we're running out of time, but I want to touch on this wellness and I want to dip into sustainability a little bit as well. Um the wellness side of it. So that's something that you you focus on. You've got a spa, wellness resort. You you're clearly interested in making people feel relaxed and and feel better um is is this something that you're just trying to sort of do whilst people are are with you or are you trying to have a longer term impact on people's wellness so they actually take something away something they've learned and they take it back into their into their normal life how do you how do you look at this sort of uh, this idea of wellness
1: well first of all uh, you know we we have to distinguish uh, wellness and well-being and spa you know very differently you know spa you know, for, for the majority of people, is a place where you go and get a nice massage. You feel great after this massage. And then maybe the day after, you feel the pain again. So you have not solved the, the problem. You are trying to mask it a little bit, you know, with this uh, rubbing, you know, of oil onto your skin. That's not solving the problem wellness and well-being goes beyond uh, the massage you know we all need to understand that uh, our mind controls everything you know our brain uh, is so powerful that can can do good and can also do bad you know we there are many studies about uh, you know the power of uh, of uh, of our thoughts you know if we get into positive thinking or negative thinking this can affect your health this is very uh very proven even more today in the situation of today i tell you also a little bit of a of an example of what happened to me some time back what happened to me was that uh, the first two weeks uh, of uh, of the pandemic when when we had to close down our hotel i had to announce to 250 of my staff that we were going to close down and i didn't know when we're going to open again it was very difficult it was the worst day of my life of my career because i was the first time that I felt I had no clue what was going to happen, not for me, not for my family, and not for my for my team. And uh, and I tell you the truth, I I fell into this vortex of negative thinking, the beginning of of this pandemic. But then I said to myself, well, wait a minute, you know, if I do this, I I lose, my team lose and everybody lose i mean i don't i cannot afford to do that so i had to i had to do something i had to react and and what happened to me was uh, i had this idea naturally or whatever you know by looking at what happened on on the social media on the virtual world you know that i started to see a lot of people like me in my position or even more senior than me uh, doing exactly what you're doing you know inviting speakers you know of a certain level with experience in sharing their story and the more i was learning about the stories of people from all over the world from asia from china from you know from africa from middle east from europe and so on and so forth and the more i understood where i mean it okay first of all i'm not alone second you know if we are all in the same boat if we are if we all row together maybe we can get out faster and then i started to learn from the best you know how you know act on what you can manage and forget about what you cannot manage because obviously there's no point to focus on something you cannot manage and then by by starting to do that and continuing to do that i became an expert now people call me and say rocco you know you come come on my show you need to share your story and i really hope that by sharing my stories to as many people as possible i can actually help them to get out of uh, depression negative thinking because your brain your mind is so strong that you can do everything possible and uh, you know there is nothing except uh, reviving dead probably but there is nothing you cannot do because you you know our mind has enormous powers but if we get if we fall into the vortex of negative thinking that's when we start talking about uh, tunnel you know now it's very it's very common to talk about that. oh we start to see light at the end of the tunnel, and then in in one in one other show I'm going to repeat that again, but in another show where I was invited as a as a speaker I said to 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 the to the audience I say why are we talking about tunnels there are no tunnels where do you see this tunnel <laughs> you know every day you wake up in the morning and the sun is up and the light is there so if we start thinking we are in a tunnel. We're gonna probably get stuck in this tunnel because the tunnel is gonna be extremely long. Instead, let's forget about the, the the tunnel. Let's talk about light. Let's talk about how what how can we manage this light, whether it's little or 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 a lot. Maybe we need to use some sunglasses. Maybe we don't need to use sunglasses so we can see better. But when a person becomes blind, then you cannot see, you cannot do anything because you you, you your, your everything blocks. And then of course if you if you if you are in in a tunnel because it's dark you're scared and if you're scared you get into uh defensiveness you know so there is a lot of things that our mind can or cannot do depending on how you use it and frankly speaking mark you know i have not seen so much light like now everything is everything is possible even in today's situation even a lot of people that they, they complain that they cannot find a job that apply for so many and nobody's answering, well, maybe you're doing something wrong. You know, there are jobs out there. Let, let me tell you, there are jobs out there. Of course, there may be no job for everybody, but during this time, there may be something else you can do. If, if we only complain that there are no jobs, the jobs will continue not to exist. But Maybe we can create jobs that they were not there before rather than looking for the same job like everybody else is so i don't know if i make myself clear there's a lot of uh there's a lot of um, theory out there i'm trying to explain but
0: yeah. No, it's very it's very passionate and 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 I share a lot of those 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 thoughts. I guess a lot of that is around is around mental and around thinking. But are there are there practical things then that you you know with this journey you've been on and it's clearly a subject that you're interested in, you know, what can people do practically to have an impact because you can't just you know you you can clearly, you know, think positive or, or think negative right. that's possible, but some people need a more practical way of, totally of sort right. of you know seeing that seeing that that that, that change and that shift in gear.
1: You are totally right. So first of all, get into habit. You know, if your habit is to stay home in front of a computer 12 hours a day, change this habit. If by doing the same thing over and over and over is not giving you result, then you have to change that habit because it's not working. So my habit was, for example, getting into exercise every single day without fail, 20 to 30, sometimes 45 minutes, sometimes one hour. But every day get into some kind of movement, you know, movement gives ability to the body to connect to the mind because you need to coordinate movement and your brain starts to, to start to work, to work in a different way. So you start to get uh, uh, physically and mentally fit. The second thing is uh, nutrition, okay? The way you eat uh, influences uh, 90% on uh, how your brain works, how your body works, you know, and, uh, and I'm not saying to become a vegetarian or a vegan. That's not the solution, but it's to eat nutritious food. You know, sadly, a lot of people, they conduct a sedentary life, they stay home, they're scared to go out, or they buy pre-packed food because they don't want to cook, they don't want to wash dishes. You know what? Well, if you eat uh, pre-packed food or processed food, this is not going to help you, your body, your mind to become healthier and now more than ever we need to become healthier and stronger so we can fight anything whether that can be illness or can be also fatigue can be stress and can eventually turn into um, depression and the th- the third and last one very practical okay surround yourself with positive people you know if you want to if you want to get positive then you you need to, to surround yourself with people that they are positive if you surround yourself with with friends that they also lost their job and they also cry every day and they also apply to 100 jobs and they get nothing what is going to say you're going to get into this uh, vicious circles of negativity you never get out so start for surrounding yourself even doesn't need they don't need to be your friend because also at the beginning as i said also i had this challenge you know the first 2 weeks uh, where did i find comfort on youtube you have plenty of positive people there people that can also help you get out of uh, of this vicious circle and they can they can provide you some uh, simple sometimes simple tips uh, on how to change your day your daily routine uh, or your habit and to get into positive habit
0: I, uh, I agree wholeheartedly. I love the, uh, there's a, there's a phrase in there or, uh, a, a sort of a fact, I guess that you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with totally. and that, uh, uh, you know, that, no, yeah, I mean, working out who those five want, people need to be, you just got to make sure those that those five people are positive.
1: You, you want, you want a more practical, I mean, for example, I mean, a person that uh, is uh, inspiring for me, you know, and I'm sure for many people around the world is this uh, Tony Robbins, you know, the guy has yeah. so much energy and when he talks, he talks. You can feel it, even if you watch a video of this Tony Robbins. And he's done actually a lot of free content over the past six, eight months, you know, for people to understand that you can do it. You can do it. You can make it. But if you get stuck, if you get stuck into your mind mindset, into your negative patterns, then you're dead. Then that's where you cannot. So going back into wellness and well-being, uh, and uh, this is what it is. What we do in our hotel is to ensure that uh, we help people feel good, and feeling good about yourself is not about just getting a massage and eating vegan food. That's not. We provide our our menu. They are they are whole. They are they're full of. Uh, any food from uh, you know very fatty food for example very street like food as well as 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 it is with the vegetarian food but and healthy healthy items but we don't oblige our guests to eat healthy we oblige our guests to have a variety of food so you can feel good about yourself you know feeling good about yourself is not about having you know the six uh, six pack. <laughs> you know, although I would like to have them, but, you know, I'm working hard, but they don't come. It's about feeling good about yourself, your body. You know who you are as, as an individual. This is wellness. This is where you are healthy because you're you're happy about who you are, and then you can do anything you want. But if people are you know are spending thousands of dollars in 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 medicine and vitamins and supplement and nothing changing their lifestyle. What is the point? I mean, you're wasting your money.
0: Mm. Oh, it drives me crazy, Rocco. The uh, whole food. At the end of the day, you know, just don't eat processed food. It's very so. You know, processed food is bad for the environment. It's bad for you. Uh, whatever your diet, whatever your beliefs, you know, let's just get back to eating actual, real whole food that's not made in a factory. You know, it's uh, it's a simple thing, but uh, but frustrating that it that it seems to be too hard. And and particularly missing, I think, from the the sort of commentary on COVID at the moment. Clearly, the best thing you can do for COVID is to is to focus on your your physical health, your mental health, your cardio capacity it's a respiratory disease um but it doesn't seem to be there you know not enough people are saying look go go out go outside go out into the forest go out have a walk have a run uh focus on your well-being focus on what you're eating and that's probably going to have the biggest impact if, if you do get covid and uh, yeah sadly missing i think from the commentary
1: totally totally Certainly and actually we we are in the in the perfect location because we are s- surrounded by nature so people are getting contact with the uh, with trees and uh, and green so you know the environment here is very powerful you know even even myself when i walked through the gate of the resort on my very first day when i came for my interview it was unbelievable the feeling the feeling of uh of being so little compared to nature it was overwhelming you know i really felt it and uh you know it was um it was a great feeling it was no negative it was very positive but also humbling to understand that, that we are so small, and we have to respect nature if we want to continue to live in this planet.
0: Hundred mm, percent. I love spending time in the mountains. We do. Well, funny enough. So I was, was draw to a close, but that was my my last question I wanted to ask you about. And you you've said a few things. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the the negatives, I guess, of travel and tourism. And you said that maybe the pandemic was a was a good thing in the fact that maybe it would it would slow us down and stop us traveling for a while. So you've obviously got some thoughts. Well, what do you think about? Yeah, I guess. Uh, it's difficult because hotels can be quite decadent they can be quite luxurious just the concept of flying into a country and, and and travel what's your thoughts around the balance and the impact of luxury hotels and how do we make them more sustainable and just just people's travel in general i guess
1: listen i mean this is sustainability seems to be in everybody's mouth at the moment uh, and um you know i think that the, the the secret is very simple i mean there's no real uh magic wand you know where we can transform everything into sustainable nowadays but my my theory about that is uh, a practical example that we can all do as a hotelier or as an investor as well is uh, why do we need to keep building huge hotels you know, with 500 rooms or even a thousand rooms why don't we build smaller hotels that can be full <laughs> rather than having a 1,000-room hotel that can be 75% full. I mean, let's build a 750-room seven, seven, hotel that can run an 85 or 90% occupancy. That's already being sustainable. You already reduced your footprint by 30%. But I don't know why this race of building the bigger, the better, the largest, uh, you know, or... Or whatever. I, I I don't get that. This is what I don't get. You know, they, I have a. I feel that the smaller hotels, 200 rooms or less, uh, they're so con- more conducive. You know, you can actually meet people, talk to people. When you have a a, a hotel with a thousand room, you have like three thousand, four thousand people in, in the same hotel. How can you make friendship? I, don't, I I I don't I don't know. But anyway, I I guess that there is a there is a market for everybody. I I enjoy much better, obviously, to work. Uh, you know, in a in a small hotel, because you can you can do so many more things. You know, in a small hotel, both with the staff as well with your guests. Uh, no, don't get me wrong; it's not just about guest experience. It's also the staff experience that is very different. You know, if you work in a small hotel or a, in a large hotel. And and finally, from a business point of view, well, you know, of course, if you have to if it has to make sense, but a small hotel can also be make financial sense, even being smaller doesn't mean that you're going to make less money. You know, it's just a matter of uh, make uh, the, the concept of the hotel in a way that you attract the right market. And so you can get your re- return on the investment in the time that is normal. You know?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think, um, like you say, if we just apply it to all, all businesses, really, it's just, yeah, don't be massive, be good. And uh, whether that means buying from your, you know, sort of local suppliers and the local families that you know, and uh, yeah, just, you know, whilst recognising that it's one planet, and we're one species, and we should have a global perspective and and, and that sort of respect of everybody's values. There's nothing wrong with with buying local. And uh, yeah, just keep, keep things small. And I think the world in many ways would be a better place. So I, I share that hundred uh, percent you are my now my my hospitality brother uh rocco uh i feel like we're uh we're destined we're destined to meet and chat all this over over a uh a nice cold beer or a glass of wine someday in our future but uh we're, we're pretty much out of time is there any other burning issues rocco that you really wanted to talk about today or were you happy
1: no i'm pretty happy i just you know maybe just to end our conversation is uh you know to 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 stay positive you know just uh Hold on tight, you know. This is a storm that we're all going through. You know, it's not the same boat, it's the same storm. You know, some some time back I also learned another, you know, we, there, there is a say we are all in the same boat. No, it's not true. We are not in the same boat. We are in the same storm. So some people have better bot than others. So if there is a person that has a better bot, ask. For help <laughs> you know ask her to go in the in that boat you know and see how how can you get away you know with the with the with the storm you know now is the time to help each other more than ever before hospitality has always been uh, the hospitability has always been reciprocal even between uh, members of the industry and now we need to be even more so more focused in uh, providing help to others because guess what when you help another person you also help yourself you feel good when you give help and you give for free, you feel good. And this feeling good, again, gives you a positive mindset. You know, there are simple things that one person can do rather than writing a, a long message on LinkedIn about, you know, I, I'm still looking for a job. Don't be so negative. You know, help other people or learn from other people and help each other on how you can share best practice with one another and get out of this negative habit. You know, so... That's how I would like to close it.
0: I think that's a good close. You are a tsunami of positivity, Rocco. I love it. If people want to uh, follow your journey and keep in touch with you, what where's the best place for them to go? Is there a particular social media channel? Is LinkedIn the best place? Where should people go to find you?
1: I I use uh, LinkedIn mostly. You know, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I I like this platform. I like to share jobs. Even I share the few jobs available I always share. So that at least the people, if, if they follow me there, they can also check on my wall and they can see everything that I share, including interesting articles, including interesting, relevant videos, including jobs, including uh, opportunities. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I try to help as many people as possible, you know, through this platform, which I think is great if well used. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, you know, if, if you like, you can also follow me there, but, you know, I don't use it as often and uh and that's it basically so these are the what's,
0: the, what, what's your handle for instagram okay
1: it's at rocco bova you can find me there
0: it's a pretty cool name isn't it there's not too many rocco bovas okay i will put some links up on the website as well but look just thank you it's uh for me this is now we're just coming into early evening on a Friday. You know, I, I work, I've got my own bars and restaurants. It's been a, a challenging time, but the energy you've given me, it's a perfect, you're a perfect Friday evening. I'm going to go and open a beer and actually the sun's come out, Rocco, fittingly. So I'm going to go and open a beer and I'm going to see you in the weekend uh, with, with, yeah, good, good energy uh, as a result of our conversation. So thank you so much for getting in touch and sparing the time. I really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck with your, uh, with your future.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. It's been a pleasure.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Rocco. Right, I really hope that filled you with a little bit of joy. As I'm sure you could tell, I really enjoyed Rocco's energy, and I love some of the little nuggets that he shared, not least of which the idea that he welcomes guests with a handshake and leaves them with a hug. Visitors are in essence welcomed as a guest, but leave as a friend, and I think that nicely typifies a great hospitality experience, particularly in the hotel sector. Now, I've put up links to the Resort and to Rocco's LinkedIn and Instagram account that we have discussed. You can find them in the show notes for this episode over at humansofhospitality.co.uk. Just click on the search icon on the top of the website and type Rocco in the search bar. Or even easier, just sign up with your details on the website and then every Monday morning I will send you a quick email with that week's guest and any useful links right into your inbox. Saves you going hunting and I don't send you any spam or share your details with anyone, it's just you and me and a useful email once a week. Okay, we're done. You're at the end. Go and get on with your day. But tune in next Monday when I will be back with another conversation with an awesome human of hospitality. Cheers.